I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Gather around the campfire, everyone. It's time for the, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show. Tell us a story. Well, I'm not going to tell the story tonight. Tonight, Andrew Bauman is going to tell a story. We're calling it A Haunting in Frederick. Um, Andrew lived in a very interesting and historical uh, place in Frederick, Maryland that uh, things got really weird in. So we're going to hear that story um, after we come back from a break. So we'll be right back. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Andrew, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing? <laughs> we're doing okay. Uh, <laughs> we just had some puppy issues, um, but we're good. We're back on track. Okay. Um, so I'm sitting here with Matt. Hey. Hey, Matt. And our producer, Ryan. Hello. Hey, Ryan. Um, Andrew Bauman, uh, thank you for joining us. We are... Uh, doing quite a different season than we did last year um we're delving into kind of spooky supernatural things of the dmv area and now you know andrew i know andrew more than i do i do because andrew is the artistic director of landless theater company and i was lucky enough to be in his production of uh high fidelity um (laughs) back in the day andrew Yeah. We go way back. We do. Yes. It was a pre, pre very pre-pandemic, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, when we were looking for uh, things to to cover, someone had suggested uh, Jesus. No. Uh, had suggested <laughs> where did where did he pop in from? I don't know. Um, had suggested uh, I think you put up the, the previous podcast you had done on this. You had uh, talked about this subject on which podcast uh as a podcast called the residuals i had a a friend actually from high school who just kind of heard this story about you know basically a haunted house that i used to live in and she hooked me up with her friends who were um i guess the residuals are set out in california uh but yeah it was it was interesting yes so i i listened to a bit of that but you know because we're friends and because it's dmv related i had to like talk to you about it as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so can you tell us uh, for everyone who's not familiar? So Andrew, you lived in a place that seemed to be haunted. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I was in my early twenties, you know, we were, uh, and I, this was right when I first got married. Um, and uh, you know, my wife and I, we just, you know, we're, we're struggling artists looking for kind of a cheap place to live like you do, you know, and it was, um, it was, um, we, we found a place, uh, that was kind of this like compound in downtown Frederick that, um, was owned by an older gentleman. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, these, these were really, really old, kind of like old carriage houses and I guess slave quarters from, you know, the 1700s uh, that had been renovated into apartment buildings. So uh, yeah, it, it, we, we lived there for several years and things just kind of got stranger and stranger in that, in that area. 
And you lived in not one, but like a couple different apartments in the building. Yeah, we lived in three, and they got they got progressively worse <laughs> as we moved along. <laughs> well, what? Let's start with the first one. What was the first kind of? And what city are we talking about? Frederick. Frederick, Maryland. You know. So. Frederick, Maryland. Okay. Frederick, Maryland, right in the historic district. Um, the first place where we lived, there really was no activity. It was, I mean, just just creepy just in the way that the whole complex kind of was creepy but um when when we got when we got married and we we were pregnant with my daughter um the guy the guy who owned the place let us move into his second uh kind of a larger uh, apartment that was on kind of across the alleyway and that one was kind of like i was i describe it kind of like the shining uh it was just you know a place where dark thoughts would enter your mind and you think it was just you, but then you talk to other people who live there and suddenly you realize that everybody's kind of having this experience. Um, and the basement uh, was super creepy when you would go down below. Uh, it was kind of like, I mean, it was beyond unfinished. It was dirt. <laughs> you know, It was like a dirt basement. Um, uh, fast forward years later, we actually found out, you know, after, as things started to escalate in these places, uh, we found out that, this kind of area where these buildings were built right behind it, there was a shopping center and that was actually a graveyard. Uh, we think it was a slave graveyard that where all the bodies were exhumed. Uh, so we think that was probably what was feeding a lot of the kind of dark energy in this area. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So yeah, the first place uh, and by first place, I mean the second place because the first place we didn't really have a lot of activity, but uh, the second place we lived in, um, you know, it was like kind of it was it was like a shining kind of experience. It was like dark thoughts and it was um, seeing things <laughs> we, we would see. We would see things. I had um, I had one experience in that place. Uh, I, I, I describe her as the, the Lady Godiva woman. I, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night in in a way where you kind of like you're kind of is it called like sleep paralysis where you just can't move? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was that sort of an experience. Um, it, it was right after my daughter was born and I woke up and my wife was asleep and I, I like couldn't move basically. And uh, right next to the bed, there was this kind of this image of a woman that I, I just, I call her, I, I just refer to her whenever I tell people this story as Lady Godiva, because she was like a very pale red haired woman who I, I guess was naked, but her hair was very long and was like kind of covering everything. And she was just staring at me and i vividly remember that night and it was just i couldn't move i couldn't go anywhere and that was yeah that was probably the creepiest thing that happened in in apartment number two and and while this was happening were you um you and your wife speaking about things that you were experiencing or are you just keeping it to yourself oh yeah yeah i mean we would always talk about it i mean she lived in this place before i did um you know, when we got together, I, I moved, I basically moved into the complex with her and then we got married and then we moved to a, apartment number two. And, um, oh yes. And then the other very disturbing thing that happened in that apartment was, um, I, it was 4th of July weekend. Uh, I couldn't tell you the year, but it was, um, you know, I guess early two thousands. And we just had this, we heard this deafening shriek uh from outside the apartment and this this um young girl was uh, i mean 20 something girl was just crying crying and sobbing and 
um, you know, she kept saying, why, why, how could you do this? How could you do this? And we, you know, we didn't really get involved, but we looked outside and it was, it was the apartment above the third apartment that we we're about to move into. Um, uh, this young girl was very upset. And we found out later that, uh, I guess her father had committed suicide in that, in that, uh, apartment. So, and, and we found that there was just a lot of bad stuff, a lot of bad energy from above, uh, that third apartment that we moved into. So, but yeah, that, that also occurred when we were in the second apartment. Okay. And how long were you in the second apartment? About a year, about a year. Uh, when we had my daughter, it was, you know, again, the, the guy was very nice. He was actually living in the third apartment, which is kind of the nicest one out of the whole building. And he, he said, you know, he was going to move to his uh, kind of farmhouse that was off in another part of Frederick County. And uh, he offered since, you know, we now had a family, he offered for us to move into this kind of nicer apartment, which uh, which was actually the probably the most active of the three. So. I don't know if it was a great place to be, but um, that um, took us we, to the next part. Do we think he moved out because of that? You know, we don't think so. We think he was pretty oblivious to everything. We we kind of felt like we 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 had a friend who was kind of a spiritual person um, who eventually got involved with us a little bit because you know we we were just getting to a point where we're like we got to, we need, we need an exorcist. We need some help or something from somebody. Uh, and he got involved and he seemed to, um, I, I guess, be sensitive to things that were going on. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I didn't really, as a, this was beginning, I didn't really believe in a lot of this stuff, but, you know, as time went on, there was just no way to ignore it anymore. But, but he seemed to think that certain types of people draw the energy more than others. And I guess our, our feeling was that the guy who owned the place probably just, uh, he'd lived there his whole life, you know, he'd grown up there. He was, you know, probably in his, in his eighties at that point. And he just probably seemed kind of oblivious to all the activity that was going on. So then you moved into the third apartment. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's look at that. What, what started to, what was the first thing that you noticed was a little off? Um, the third place uh, the third place, it was more my wife who was having experiences in that place. She was seeing, now we had a young, uh, a young child at this point, uh, one or two, between the year, uh, years one and two, toddler, basically, can't, can't quite talk yet. Um, but she, it started with her at nighttime seeing a little boy running around the bedroom and she would wake up and she would wake me up and she'd like, can you, she's like, Andy, can you see that? Can you see that kid? There's a kid running around our bed. I couldn't see any of it. I, like I was not, I was not seeing any part of this. So I, you know, I thought, I thought she was like hallucinating. It was just like a dream, you know, like one of these waking dream kind of things. And, right. Um, but that she was the first one who started to experience things. And over time, there was just this scratching at night, uh, this uh, around you know the walls, and you know it could have been. Uh, it could have been some vermin or something living in the walls. I don't know, but it was just like all night, all, all around the bedroom. We would just hear scratching on the walls constantly. Uh, and it could be like totally quiet outside and totally quiet in every other part of the house, but just the scratching. So it was kind of the first thing we had a string of neighbors up above that was, were just, it would seem like anytime somebody would move into that apartment up above, they would like dark things would consume them. You know, we had, you know, an abusive couple for a while. We had a couple that were, uh, they were 
you know, I think they had some sort of a drug problem. They actually got evicted and the police came and took them out. And it was just, the walls were paper thin. So you could hear a lot of the stuff that was going on upstairs. And it was just, it was not good. Um, my daughter at one point talked about seeing a skeleton man. She kept talking about the skeleton man in her room. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, uh, and she could barely talk at this point, but she could see the skeleton man. And she said he was, he were, he wore a green coat and he was a long green coat and he was a skeleton man. And she would talk about him a lot. Wow. Um, yeah. Does she remember any of this now? Not at all. No. No, well, that's so interesting. And there's there's no connection to like knowing the history of the house and really pinpointing like, oh, this was blah, blah. The, the little kid running around the room was this little kid that died at the age of four. Nothing like that. No, we couldn't really find anything like that. Um, but when we got our, you know, we called some local ghost hunters and we had them come in and <laughs> I guess they were based out of West Virginia and they, they, they came in and they set up a bunch of cameras. This was right before we moved out. And this was when things were really active in that place. And uh, we never heard back from them, but all we know is that when we were out of the house, when everybody was out of the house and the cameras were on, all of the cameras at one point got knocked over. And that seemed odd <laughs> because, you know, we didn't really have an animal living in the house or anybody that would do that. So um, yeah. And all of them. <laughs> all of them yeah they had a camera set up in every room and apparently they all were knocked over at one, at some point um wow. now yeah. my theories on what was going on in that place really came from our friend who was kind of the medium spiritual kind of guy who came in and he he came in and you know he was immediately he immediately sensed something going on in this place and you know i was skeptical at that point you know um and his he, he was speaking about something that he called a collective soul, uh, which I didn't, I, I don't, I don't, under, I didn't really understand. What I a love the band. Soul, right. <laughs> I didn't understand what a collective soul was. I still don't quite understand, but my, my, what, I guess, I guess what I, what it sounded like to me was, and it, and it seemed, it would seem to tie into the whole idea of, um, you know, either, you know, slaves who had terrible things happening to them in this area or uh the bodies of the people who were buried back there that were exhumed uh without their identities being known or maybe a combination of both uh these kind of disgruntled upset angry souls kind of all binding together into this kind of one entity that was kind of the way he described it and he the way he put it to us was that there was a little boy who was trapped in our house uh, who was being, who was basically the plaything of this collective soul that was, he would call it the evil. He would refer to him as, as the evil. He said the evil would come and would torment this little boy. And he said to me that he said, you know, you're a singer. You, there, is there a hymn that you know, uh, like from, you know, because I grew up in the Presbyterian church and everything. And there was um, the hymn that we came up with was uh, Be Not Afraid. And he said, I think if you sing that song, uh, you will comfort the boy and the boy, <laughs> the, the boy will, will be protected from this collective soul or whatever. So I started to do this and that was immediately when things started to happen to me. And it was like, that just set off a chain of events where if there was this evil entity in the house, it was kind of at that point attacking me. And 
for me it was it was usually a feeling of icy coldness that would come over me in a way that i could not get warm and it was physically it, it almost drove me crazy it was it went on for about a month until we moved out of that place because i was just like i can't do it anymore uh there was one time uh when i was uh i was so cold in that house um and i, I saw this I, I was starting to see things and I saw something moving around the bed, which was incidentally where my wife always saw the little kid walking around. But it was like, if you could imagine kind of like a translucent shower curtain, it was like seeing that in front of you where you couldn't really make something out, but you knew something was right there in front of your face. That was kind of like the light was kind of refracted a little bit in it. So things were blurry and I could watch it moving around me. Uh, and I, I, I told when I, did this interview on the other podcast i told about the night that i i was so cold and i was this this was happening around the bed um and i went to sleep and i had a dream that my grandmother and a lot of relatives had passed on who had passed on uh had come to visit me and that we were not in the bedroom but we were in kind of like a we were in kind of like a beautiful meadow and my, my grandmother from one side and my grandfather and the other side and some relatives that i had never met they actually at one point formed a circle around me and held uh, held hands uh and I, I feel like i feel like they were probably protecting me that night and they were keeping whatever this thing was out uh and basically the next day i mean we had already been making plans to move but that was the last time i ever set foot in that place i would never never walk in there again um yeah so that that, that reminds me of like the last scene in a uh, poltergeist with the Yes, going to the motel. <laughs> it's kind of comical to look back at it, but at the time, it was really, really terrifying. And uh, the other, the other piece that, um, the other piece I forgot to mention was the knocking at three thirty a.m. Uh, every time I was asleep uh, in this house uh, during that time period, uh, I would always wake up with a single knock on the desk next to my bed, and I would look at the time, and it was always three thirty p.m. three thirty a.m oh yeah and uh yeah and so kind of to wrap up this whole experience <laughs> the, the thing that the, the, we had moved into our into our next uh apartment and things had been fine and you could feel that there was no activity going on in this place and it was a totally different area of town more suburban kind of area um and i remember one night waking up with a knock at 3 30 a.m and freaking out <laughs> and, and i called my, I, I i called our friend who had kind of helped us through the situation and he said he thought it was the he thought it was the little boy uh that the little boy had gotten out and that he had found me and that i needed to i needed to kind of like say a prayer and kind of like say tell him that it was okay that he was safe now and he could move on and i did that and from that point on i had not it had not happened again until honestly, the the week after I gave that interview with the um, uh, the last podcast, it was like the week after that it happened one time in my house where I'm living right now. <laughs> so, oh wow. God, you'll have to keep us posted, Andy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's so fascinating. Uh, and and are those apartments still there? They are. Yeah, yeah, they're still there. I would find it just in general, kind of like. I mean, life is crazy enough, but I would find like in my mental state, it would be like a constant, like almost distraction, almost like when you know you have mice in the house. Yeah. Like 
like you know at any moment something could kind of happen like you're always on edge yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i've i've been in other houses since that i've kind of sensed things like that going on but um you know it's kind of one of those things like if you live in the house like that you kind of get used to it but in this particular case it was just like once whatever was in that house had been provoked it would not leave me alone and it was just it was a constant it was just it was a feeling of a constant attack right and you could not you could not ignore it you know uh, the the song again what was that hymn it was be not afraid right be not afraid yes yeah it goes like this be not afraid run for your life get out <laughs> of the house <laughs> Wow. Um, well, Andy, thank you for uh, for hopping on and telling the, the story. It really um, it, it's just a fascinating like there's so much history in the DMV area era. And you know, I can't even talk now. Area. Yeah. But what, what, but what do you as a human being <clears throat> alive on this earth? You know, we always have these these tug of war discussions about you know, afterlife and ghosts and religion and versus spirituality. Like, how do you, do you, Andy, do you, I just said Andy, like we're, you know, besties. I should say Andrew. No, you call me Andy. It's good. That's all you good. know what? <laughs> I, go, I, I go by like first um, letter. So I'm just going to say A. <laughs> um, do you, do you, do you grow in some sort of like way of like understanding like what this, world other world is about like you come up with a different idea of like well this is what i think ghosts probably are i mean we all kind of have a different road with that i guess based on our experiences did you take away a higher like learning of like oh it's just the collective <laughs> soul soul <laughs> people I, coming to eat us i would say i was i was very skeptical i was raised uh you know in this kind of presbyterian religious background and my upper my what i took from that was i was kind of an agnostic type of person i kind of looked at religion as more of a philosophy um than you know something mystical in that way and i would say that this whole that whole experience raised more questions than anything but i think if i if i took anything away from it it was that there are evil things uh that we do not understand <laughs> and um and I absolutely believe that my grandmother and the people that were close to me were there for me in some capacity. So that's, I think that the, that, that scene is the opening of your film. Right. <laughs> like when Landless does this in a digital format, that's the opening. And we don't understand the opening until we come back to it and go, oh my gosh, they were protecting him. Right. <laughs> Well, um, how how are you guys at Landless? I we loved you in town. P.S. Oh, good, good. Um, it was it was hysterical. <laughs> uh, how 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 is Landless doing? How are you guys surviving? Uh, Landless is doing well. We're um, we're gearing up for kind of a season up in Frederick, uh, but you know, with this Delta variant and everything, we're kind of um, you know, fortunately, the only date we have scheduled before March is uh, we had a weekend scheduled in November, so. We're kind of just feeling it out right now to see if it's something that's going to work, uh, you know, as a as an indoor venue kind of thing or uh, whether to kind of hold off on that until March. But, you know, so far, so good. And, you know, yeah, Yorktown was a blast. And 
that was a lot of time spent with uh, socks. (laughs) (laughs) It was, we, we very much enjoyed it. Um, (laughs) You've never seen Urinetown like that. Um, (laughs) And it, it, it just kind of bizarrely worked. Yeah, you know what I mean, well, I kind of, I, you know, every time I listen to the cast album, I always pictured the Muppets doing it for some reason. So, well, let's you know, be we, honest. I mean, what could, what cannot a cast of Muppets do? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, they they probably could do fit most mediums. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, a Muppet Les Mis would be amazing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th- that's funny that you say that. One of my favorite things you know, when you're in a show used to be, all right, Muppet cast the show, you know, right. <laughs> so much fun. Um, and it's, uh, what, what's your website in case people want to help you guys out or check you out? Uh, yeah, we're at landlesstheater.com and you're in town with puppets is actually still online. It'll be up till April. So, uh, Oh, great. Please come by and check it out. Oh my God. Yeah. We highly recommend it was hysterical. <laughs> uh, we love Carissa Swan again, of course. Um, <laughs> And she was fantastic as always. Um, everyone was. It was. It was just. But it, it's so weird watching like a genuine puppet show where you don't see the puppeteer and like how how to convey the emotion through sock. Um, <laughs> it was just really funny to watch. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely uh, post a link in the description so we can uh, help get the word out about that. But. Um, Again, thank you for joining us, Andrew. We really uh, appreciated your time and the creepy uh, Frederick Civil War ghosts um, <laughs> or whatever kind of ghosts they were, the collective soul and the little boy. Um, that's the name of the book. Yeah, right. skeleton, skeleton Man is like your new bar. Right. <laughs> All right, well, take care, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Have a great day, guys. You right. too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much, Andrew, for giving us goosebumps, and hopefully you won't hear any knocks at 3.30 in the morning. Um, we uh, thank you, and please, every everyone, if you haven't watched You're in Town at Landless Theater, please follow the links and watch it. It's hysterical. Um, as always, uh, if you want to know more about us, you can find us at www connorsmithmusicals.com that's Connor with an E-R you can also find us on Connor and Smith on Facebook Uh, please rate, review, subscribe uh, to this podcast it really helps us out a lot and as we say in season two never stop questioning questioning. bye everybody bye